Welcome back to the program. Carrie, I didn't actually welcome you to the program. Uh, it's okay. I am here watching, listening, praying. I'm in a, a food comatose. It's great. <laughs> no, I think it was, a, what did Father Lewis call it Thursday? A turkey. It's turkey coma. Something yeah, like something that. Something like that. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we thank you, and we ask that you would give us hearts that are even more grateful for all the gifts that you give to us, especially for the gift of our faith. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us insight and wisdom to be able to live our faith well and to foster faith in our kids. I ask, Lord, that you'd bless those who are listening, especially those that might be a little bit discouraged right now, anxious or concerned about the unfolding of things in their own life, in their own families. We know, Lord, that you are a good shepherd and you take care of us. We ask, Lord, that you would truly bless this program and all who listen. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Amen. and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, uh, this program is airing on Black Friday morning, but we're recording it towards the end of our Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving evening. The kids are upstairs watching the end of the Patriots game. That's a big deal. Patriots against the Minnesota Vikings. We don't know who's going to win, but it's tied right now as we're down here. And uh, so far, what's been the highlight of your Thanksgiving? Uh, finishing painting was a highlight. The meal today, I put it together in th two and a half hours. I usually start the meal like Tuesday, Wednesday. And I think I kept saying, oh, I have to go make dinner. Oh, I have to go get ready for Thanksgiving. And then I read to you a three-month preparation for Thanksgiving that I found online. If to be, to be really ready for Thanksgiving, it should take three months. Or was it a month? And it gave you like what to do the in the month and then three weeks and then two weeks out and then three days out and then the day of. It just went this big long list. I thought, okay, this is silly. Um, actually, Thanksgiving least... dinner is not that tricky. It's pretty basic. Yeah, but it, it you were showing me a website that one of those things that those uh, recipe websites was do were doing to become clever is that if you were searching for how to cook your turkey, they had all the associated how to cook your green bean casserole and how to cook your stuffing and how to cook your, um, you know, your jello. Do you cook jello? <laughs> Whatever the other. Chill your jello. Yeah, chill your jello, the other parts of the, of the meal. And I thought that was pretty clever, having it all come together in one. Yeah, I think that's a way to, for them to get more uh, clicks or more uh, traffic to their sites. But no, Thanksgiving dinner today was great. It was just so quiet. Just having the five kids just felt just different, like. This is odd. It, one of the things that, for me, one, the favorite part, which was a surprising gift, we didn't expect it. It just actually came together last night. I don't know if you knew that. No. Mary Catherine, who's at Franciscan University, we're one of the only, well, I guess we're one of the bad parents because she's there on campus pretty much by herself. I told her to go home with someone. I said, just find a friend, Hook on. yeah, Be a cling on, and cling then on she, to a family. She had a couple options, and then she backed out. And she was going to go with her roommate, but she also felt like they needed to have their own space, and she didn't want to impose. Since her roommate was from Boston, and I was like, just go home with her and visit your family or your family, Tom. But um, her roommate, I think, flew home, so it didn't make it possible. Okay, yeah. So she she was in Ohio. And she was saying to me that uh, her Wi-Fi wasn't really working well for her um, FaceTime. So she said, Dad, why don't we do a Zoom meeting 
and have all of the kids get on to Zoom together. And that was really beautiful because if you think about how far, how far afield our oldest four are, it's outside of Portland, Oregon, outside of Boston, uh, at Franciscan University in Ohio, and then down in Guatemala. You know, that is the best, one of the best things that has come from COVID is Zoom. And just the ease at which you can jump on a call. Now, how is it better than FaceTime? Is it more smooth, better quality, easier connection? So if you get to the technical level, I believe it's a different protocol, if that makes sense. So FaceTime is using cellular uh, as a means of transmitting video. And you can do it differently when you're using um, the internet bandwidth to be able to communicate. So they, uh, they have a particular way, uh, a mode of communicating, and it's more efficient. So you can get high quality video involving many people onto a platform. Unlike FaceTime. Okay. I, I like our family Bible that I do Zoom. They do a Zoom call. And it's just interesting and so cool that you can jump on a call with, I don't know, four to 15 people and uh, do some kind of event. And I know it cha- has changed for like school, in-person school versus online schooling, uh, doctor's appointments. I've done several doctor calls by Zoom. Um, I'm trying to think what else we use it for. It just seems like it's, do you do it with real estate? You make Zoom calls? Or oh, you- Yeah. It's just so cool to see that technology explode because especially when you have family all over the world or country and you can, like when our girls called in, we had them on the huge TV and all four of them were called in at the same time. And it was an hour long, just kind of hanging out, talking together. I was making dinner and it just felt like almost like they were there. Almost. Well, and that, that was the thing that I found so enjoyable was that they didn't, they didn't act rushed. Like they were really settled in to enjoy the time they had with all of us, the four girls, the girls, you know, these young women, that they, were in, they weren't in a hurry. You know, sometimes it's, it's like, oh, I got to go, got to go. And it was none of that. Well, there's such a thing as wanting to belong to your family during the holidays, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think that's why it's a hard time of year for many people that don't have close relationships with their family or by themselves. And so for them, I felt they were really wanting to be connected and stay connected and had nowhere else to go or just really had no desire to be anywhere else. Then all my friends are with their families and people are with their families celebrating Thanksgiving and I'm not. So there was a way in which I think there was a longing in their heart to be together. Well, and this is actually a very interesting distinction. The distinction between is Thanksgiving about the meal and all that happens around that meal, or is it about the relationships and the meal is a means of connecting and expressing and experiencing the relationships? And also about the memories of what that holiday meant for you growing up and then the traditions that we do Well, the reason I brought up the distinction I did was that we had our four girls that are outside the house together with us, and they got to experience an extended time of enjoyable fellowship, communication, laughter, sharing stories, and, and just being together. But they didn't have the meal. And two of them actually said, you know, I, I, 
I'm choosing not to participate in a meal. I'm happy that I actually didn't go to the meal. It got canceled or I, I had to, I was able to not go to it. They actually, one of them said, I actually prayed that I would not be able to go. And it ended up working out that she didn't go. And so it's like, wow, aren't you going to miss the idea of a Thanksgiving dinner? And the answer was, well, no, it wasn't just a Thanksgiving dinner. It was Thanksgiving dinner with our family. So they got to experience the our family part, even if it was just um, through Zoom, even though they didn't get to have the meal. Yeah, I think Mary Grace also said she had already had three Friendsgivings with her youth group and church and then girls that she lives with. So at that point, she had the house to herself and was loving that. Um, But what was really interesting about the Zoom call is you... I don't know if you noticed this, but you really can't have five people talking at once. So typically if we're together, everyone's vying for holding the conversation or making their point. But because Zoom is as it is, the person talking, their photo shows up or their picture shows up. So there's this natural way for everyone to wait and listen. Did you notice that? Versus if they're all together, there's a lot more commotion and chaos. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about, like I noticed that there was much more of an orderly conversation and a respectful, okay, if when this person's done, then I'll step in. Well, when we're on Zoom calls with my family for the Bible, you can't have a sidebar conversation. You can't like sit and talk to the person next to you or on the other side of you because you're all in separate places. So it really doesn't allow for two or three other conversations to happen. And that actually does happen in our family. I hate to say but sometimes someone will be talking and then I'll turn and start talking to someone else. Um, thinking, whatever, I don't know. It just happens. So, yeah. So I, that was a, that for me was the highlight. The highlight was that over hour long, was surprising. Zooming about 15 minutes in, I'm like, what am I doing? And what did I do? I recorded it. <laughs> I'm like, I want to record this. I want to record this, uh, this conversation. It's so endearing. It was it was beautiful, so that was that was definitely a highlight. I have to admit, uh, you were heroic today uh, on Thanksgiving. You, you did well. The reason was was that you didn't get a lot of support because of the flu. Well, the flu has been going around, and I think we are getting it in the middle. I don't think we're at the beginning. I've heard a couple of schools have to close classes um, because of how many kids are sick, and then some adults that have gotten it really got knocked down. And teenagers have gotten knocked down out for eight to 10 days. Um, unlike the, f- the stomach flu we had three weeks ago, where it knocked some of our littlest kids down for a week, which is really unusual to have a, st- a stomach flu for that many days. You're actually not throwing up that many days, but it was combined with fever and body aches and just incredible fatigue. Like my daughter's laid on the couch and in her bedroom for four straight days and didn't want to eat anything. But um, this flu that starts with a sore throat and gets into your head where there's headaches and then sore aches and then you had the chills. Um, I said sore aches. I meant body aches. <laughs> uh, I think some of people are experiencing pneumonia where it actually goes into the... I think it's bronchitis. Bronchitis. And yeah. then um, if it's not dealt with, um, it gets pretty bad. And I've just heard firsthand accounts of friends of ours that have said it was one of the worst flus they've had. So I just pray people are sick right now, that they have someone to care for them, that they have the remedies, that they can hold strong to the Lord and, and 
be hopeful in that they will be in good health soon and to be grateful for our health and not take that for granted. Because I know that's something that you shared around the table today is just grateful for our health, that we really don't realize how blessed and fortunate we are, not just to have great medical care, but to have easy access to um, hope that it's on, on the other side, that we're shortly going to be better and we're going to get through this, where I don't know if that's always how people encounter their diseases or sicknesses. Yeah. Uh, it's what in times of prosperity, we forget adversity. In times of adversity, we forget prosperity. It's a proverb and yeah. uh, in the scriptures. And it's so true. I think that I'm more attuned to it, not just because of the like localized reality of the flu that we're all experiencing around here, but because I've been praying more on Facebook and praying daily on Facebook. And then what I've missed, I've missed only because I've been sick and just worn down. So not able to get up early the way I wanted to, even if I went to bed really early, like I've been going to bed really early a couple of nights yes. and still not able to get up and being able to pray the rosary. <laughs> and, and well, here's the thing. People miss it now, right? The people that are now accustomed to me praying live on Facebook with them, uh, the rosary, they're like reaching out to me. Like, what time are we praying They today? are Did depending on you, brother, Well, to meet them. None. Here's the thing is that it makes me cognizant of the fact that there are a lot of folks who are pretty isolated. They, their family is, they'll talk about their rosary family in the comments. Hey, rosary family. Hey, fellow prayer warriors. And, and they'll like welcome each other. Um, when they come on. And these are folks that I've never met in the real world. They're literally from all over the world. You know, folks from Canada praying with people from England, playing with people from Nigeria, from Zambia, from Australia, all on together. And it it's a really powerful thing. But to see the needs come forward, right? It's one of those things that, oh yeah, that's right. How did I ever forget this? When I was doing ministry very actively and I would go do parish missions and I'd say, I'm going to pray with you or I'll pray for your intentions and they'd write them down. You'd have the realization when you read or when you when you pray with people who come forward, the desperate nature, yes. the pressing nature of so many people's life circumstances and they're not known, they're not talked about. And they're, and they're just by themselves. And all of a sudden, or, or you know what, they can be with families. A lot of these folks, they're in marriage situations or family situations where they're the only one that carries the fervor of faith. And so they come on and they really are desperate for the fellowship of brothers and sisters that are around the world to pray the rosary and to pray for them and for each other. It is such a huge blessing. Well, Carrie, there was another insight I want to share with you. I didn't tell you this. The last time I prayed the rosary was like yesterday. I want to share the insight that came to me that was really like it blew me away. What is it? I'll tell you in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com.
Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernan with my lovely wife, Carrie, on this Faith and Family edition on Friday. Carrie, i talking about this idea of praying the rosary live on Facebook. And folks, if you want to join me, I would love to have you there. Go to Facebook and sign up for the page. Just follow the page. Become a friend, a follower of the page. I love my Catholic faith with Dr. Tom Curran. If you do that, you can sign up for notifications so that when I am praying the rosary live, you'll get a notification. Also, you'll see in the feed the, uh, the events that I establish. Typically, it's six in the morning on Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I tend to pray a little bit later. I would love to have you there so you can experience it. Carrie, what I didn't share with you was this. I, I have been praying for an expansion of the number of people who are there praying live. And uh, in part, it was just a matter of wanting to um, encourage everybody, including me, that we're praying for people with fervor and all of that. Like typically there'll be about 60 people on and that's not bad. I mean, you think get together with 60 of your friends and pray the rosary. That's pretty cool. And this is happening around the world. But I was like, Lord, please just expand your heart and draw more people in. And the insight that came to me was, Tom, I'm drawing you into the crowd of saints that are praying with you. You are praying with Mary, my mother, with St. Joseph, and then this whole litany of saints that we ask to join us. And you're, you're actually being drawn up into communion with heavenly worship. And there was this sense of being drawn into the worship around the throne of God with countless billions of angels and saints that have gone before and are now before the throne of God worshiping. And that our prayer of this rosary is not 60 people. It's 60 here on earth that are being drawn into the worship before the throne of God, <laughs> drawn in with particular saints and our guardian angels and countless angels and saints around the throne. And I had that, it was like that consciousness that that was the reality. And it was really, it was, it was really powerful. That is amazing. I love that. Okay, but I'm so distracted right now by this dog, Alaska. Uh, our dog, Alaska, she's, has decided to follow you into the, <laughs> this little homemade She's whining at me because I won't pet her. Yeah. Oh, so she's, she's so you're not cute. giving her enough time. But uh, that, that sense of consciousness that you are in a communion with others, in that communion of saints. Do you experience that? In adoration or in a prayer meeting? Or? Honestly, I'm not sure. Like maybe other than um, particular masses, like going to mass where I had that sense. I'm not sure I've ever had that sense before. It was, it was the, the, it's like the a quality super... of reality of it. It was a grace. It was just a graced awareness that I've been drawn into a communion with these great saints who are before the throne of God worshiping the Son, and with the Son worshiping the Father. It's really neat how you can use technology today to do that, to pray with people from that you've never met in person around the world. It's just, it's mind-blowing, actually. I think we're used to it now. We've seen it happen for many, many years, a couple, maybe a decade. But now, it's just, that's crazy. So there are... There's so many powerful stories. 
like some of the most privileged moments I've had were using Zoom to pray with people that I met praying the rosary live on Facebook who were dying. And then on Zoom to be able to pray with them once or twice or three times before they died for them to receive the comfort of Jesus and his nearness and a, and a sense of faith. And sometimes not only with them, but with their, this was uh, their husbands as well, or family. Um, and I would make a recording of it so that they could watch it again. Um, that, think about the, the gift that that is. Right? It's hard for me to even imagine that, to yeah. have that recording or to even put myself in the place of my spouse has a terminal illness and to walk that out. I just, I just really, and I don't actually stop and try to imagine it. It's too much. It's exhausting to even think about. One time I had the opportunity to lead a funeral service, a wake service. It was actually kind of their funeral because they weren't Catholic, Uh, but they prayed the rosary with me on Facebook and they prayed it like faithfully, and I accompanied them through prayer. And when they died, the family asked, would I facilitate and lead the funeral service, again, using Zoom? And it was really powerful. It was really powerful. Anyways. It's, it's interesting that you do ministry to people I, we've never, I've never met. Like, I don't know who these people are. They're yeah. just through... When I say that to them, so I say, look, we're going to, you know, I say, look, we're never going to meet in person on earth. But we'll be together in heaven. And I said, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, at the end of a game, giving each other a high five. Like, yeah, we won. Yeah. And I just imagine getting to heaven and then just like, here's the, Jesus is going to call together the rosary group, the rosary warriors. And we're going to come up on stage and we're going to high five each other and say, yeah, we did it. We, we played our part. We played our part. And I don't know, I think that that's something that is, I'm, Again, it's something that I have a greater sense of urgency towards is spending my life doing what's really important. Spending my life, like if I can, if I have to miss something in my day, I should probably not put too low on the list, missing praying the rosary live on Facebook or even just praying with people live on Facebook, which I've also started to do because I, I just have this this sense of like the, the, the burden in the heart of Jesus is a way to say it, where he has such a longing to minister to his people who are cut off, cut off from sources of consolation and spiritual support. Does that give you a spirit of gratitude? I, I find sometimes in my own bubble, I will complain or have this sense of comparison of, oh, woe is me. Um, you know, just a list of whether it's the car, the car I'm driving or the things that got broken that aren't fixed or the bills that haven't been paid or the, the child did this. this, I don't know. But when you get put in ministry and you're dealing with real sincere needs that are actual needs, mine aren't even needs. They're just, what would you call them? (laughs) Complaints? (laughs) Wants. Because I was reading in, um, Father Jacques Philippe's book, that when you are, I can't remember what I was going to say, but something about when you're in prayer, seeking after the Lord, um, just the bigness of God takes over and you stop complaining about the little things, especially when you commune with him on a daily basis. 
that all those, I don't know, just fleshly or earthly or sensory problems don't seem to have the weight or the importance when you're really dealing with the more spiritual and um, supernatural, um, not burdens of the Lord, but cares of the Lord, that, like what's on yeah, his heart. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm that holy yet, because when my alarm goes off at 515 to get up to pray the rosary at six, I don't leap up saying, yeehaw, I'm so grateful, Jesus, for another chance to pray the rosary. But you also don't complain about the the when you say, if this is the worst thing that's happening to me today, yeah, I have a great, great life. life. Yeah. I think that this praying with people around the world, especially those in second world or third world countries, puts in perspective... Huge, 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 huge. Yeah, I, I want to say I don't have a sense of gratitude on the way in praying the rosary. I have this like growing resistance towards when I click on live, because I know when I click on live, I'm going to be on praying for about an hour and five to an hour and 15 minutes. Can you just make your rosary a half hour? I can't. <laughs> so long. It's, just, it's, it's not that. It's not that. It's, oh. uh, it's, I'm just trying to discern and pray for specific situations that people have and not just say a rosary. Right, not the word just. Is, it's not even praying the rosary. It's a prayer meeting. It's a ministering time. It's, it's the prayer, Lord ministering to yeah. us, and the rosary is the context. And I, I don't know. I just feel like I love the rosary. I love the Blessed Mother. I want to honor her, and I think that's a safe, a safer Catholic context for people to receive prayer. Uh, but I did, I did, like I think I've said to you twice, two or three times, I've done those. Like, I'm just here to pray with you live. Let's just discern what's God wanting us to pray for, and I'm just going to pray for that. I did that three times so far, just to kind of try to get a sense of, should I separate, should I pull out or sort out the, like, praying with people from praying the rosary and incorporating prayer for people in situations in the context of that. But to answer your question, on the way in, I have that resistance. On the way out, when I'm done, I feel this lightness. I feel this freshness. I feel that, which is funny. You think I'd feel tired and exhausted. No, I feel light and refreshed and I feel grateful. I'm like, Lord, thank you for the gift that you've given to us. The gift of being able to pray. What a gift that you just gave to us. More than we gave a gift to him. So I would say it's not gratitude. It's a sense of generous stewardship. I feel a call to be a generous steward because we have been given so much as we become as i become so poignantly aware during these rosaries of people's desperate need i come away saying lord how can i be more how can i be a better steward how can i be a better steward of the blessings you've given to us so people listen into my voice like guys do you realize how much you've been given and it's been given to you yes because the lord loves you but it hasn't only been given for you it's been given for the sake of others those around you first yes but it's for the sake of others and i encourage you to see how wide the lord can expand your heart how wide can the lord expand your heart can can his sacred heart come alive in you and break your heart open so that you have concerns and burdens holy burdens not shame guilt ridden burdens but holy burdens to do more to let the lord do more for his people through you you know, using your time, using your energy, using your talents, using your wealth, using all the gifts that God's given you, put them at his service and say, Lord, you've given so much to me. How can I be a better steward, a, a more fruitful steward? That's what, that's what I, I um, come away with.
So Carrie, from the sublimity of praying with the saints of heaven and the communion of persons and, and generous stewardship, there's also the practicality of being a good steward of the concrete realities that God has given to us in our lives, like our house. And I'm not as good at that. But you, you are amazing. Last Saturday, you got up and said, that's it. I'm going to the store. I'm coming back with paint and brushes and rollers and let's go. And off you went. Well, I think we were were thinking we were going to move for a few years. And with the interest rates the way they are, I'm thinking maybe we should just get comfortable. And it was a good motivator to have someone price out how much it would cost to paint our first floor. And of course, I'm immediately, I can do that. I could do it for this much money. I could, I could save. (laughs) And uh, I know the kids are going to be home for nine days and they're pretty good at painting. We've painted a few rooms in our previous houses and I think they were all up for it. I told them I, we would give them some money for Christmas and it's, you know, it's that whole work as a family, play as a family, pray as a family, and serve as a family where you build communion, you build unity. And even with the risk of having the 10 and 12-year-old paint, I'm actually more concerned about the boys painting, and not doing it perfectly, it was still just a joy to undertake a project that was doable. I don't think we could tile. I don't think we could build anything with like a saw and nails and a hammer, but painting is so simple. It really is. I mean, there's actually, you know, a lot of tricks to make it look good. So I'm not saying we did that, but um, the general idea of painting in a different color happened. So yeah, I was really excited for us all to complete that project. And it looks great and fresh. Although once you paint, we did uh, agreeable gray, which is like the color to paint, um, just a base paint. It made all the carpets look dirty. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) now we got to do new carpets or the baseboards all showed up their dirt. It was just fun to, it's just interesting when you start remodeling, how it kind of leads down uh, a path of, well, where do you stop or where do you draw the line? Well, and for me, it was also revealing of the kids and their personalities and their inclinations, right? There are certain personalities that showed up in a big way, in a very positive way, in terms of finding a worker. Like you had one or two of our kids that were just like all over it. Some are really good at detail. Some are good at cleanup. Some are better at staying with it and uh, are wanting to do the bigger job. Um, just time of day. I know we started to get the flu towards the end where I started losing my helpers. <laughs> I was like, wait, you're, my work crew is starting to disappear. But um, I think that's why I love teaching art is you really get a sense of people's abilities and their and the variation, and it's just so beautiful to watch them show up the way they, that God has made them. And I feel like part of it is, you know, I don't need to change or fix or control. They just they are who they are. So when you do art, you just let that gift unfold, and it's a freeing. I think it's more freeing than if I were, you know, having them clean a bathroom and I have to show them where they made a mistake or where it's not right or how they, you know, it's just a different measure. We were trying to accomplish a task versus, hey, let's just have fun and and do art. Now, with painting the house, I did have to have, (laughs) go back with, um, I think we had your floodlights from the studio because it got dark. And this gray color, you can't tell 
there's so many shadows it, it throws, and I think the windows threw a lot of shadows. Anyhow, it was tricky with that, and then the snow on the ground. We have snow on the ground, and so that produced a whole other kind of level of light. Um, so I definitely can see we had to go back and fix a few places, but it was a lot of paint. We went through five, no, four gallons of agreeable gray. So yeah, it was, it was good. I think everyone was really proud. We were finishing up the last day. I thought it would take three days. I think it took five, right? We were yeah. painting into the night, like nine o'clock at night. On Wednesday night. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it actually. But, um, we were doing the touch up and we had to get the huge ladder from home. I want to, I want to come back. We're up uh. against a break. When we come back, I want to tell the story of working with my boys through this project and how I found that very satisfying, very fulfilling. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my wife, Carrie, and this is a Faith and Family Edition. Love having you guys with us today. I know it's Black Friday, and so if you're shopping out there, be calm. <laughs> be calm. Okay. You can't take anything with you. Yes. Well, I'll stay in here on earth. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, but also being a good steward. So we're talking about painting, and I want to mention the boys, because for me, it was not only painting, it was also doing some of the, the the things that required some some harder work. So there was also a little bit of demolition that went on, and there was a part of the house where we had to correctly tear down kind of an older, I don't even know what you'd call it, some kind of a corner-angled place where like a TV would have been put, um, and it doesn't. those TVs aren't like that anymore, so it just needed to come out. And... E you saw how I did it, right? I, I had learned how to demolish things, how to, in renovations, how do you tear something down and take it out? It, it takes care. You can't just get in there with a sledgehammer. I just thought you were going to go in there with a sledgehammer and just start pounding. Yeah. And then you like slowly took it apart piece by piece, which I thought was really interesting. Right. And then at the end, you know, we used the hammer to get at uh, other pieces that had to come out. But I consciously involve my boys. I wanted them to do some of the hard work and not just like I'm doing it and they're watching. I would show them how to do it and then I would have them do it and I would be there with them and then step in and help them as needed. I wanted them to do like harder things, more complicated things. And then even like taking down a lamp uh, and um, how do you properly tape off uh, electrical um, wires if you're taking off, um, you know, uh, a, a fixture, shade. a fixture, yeah. how do you take off a fixture and, and you, and it's exposed. So just teaching them some basic things that are, that's part of, um, like, how do you take care of a house? And then you gave them a lesson on how to use a ladder, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Like, wait, 
I guess we do need to learn how to use it since we're going to go up like 30 feet. Right. Yes. Well, we had a, we have a normal sort of 16 foot ladder that is a typical step ladder that you'd use around a house or an extent, a ladder that extends, but we needed a bigger one, a 24 foot ladder to be able to reach the, like the, the cathedral ceiling part really much higher. And it was on stairs and it was tricky. So I took John Luke with me and I had to teach him how do you tie it on and then how do you take it off and how do you carry it? How do you extend it? How do you support it at the base? What kind of angle do you have? Just things like that for like good, safe use of a ladder. And again, I was, I was happy to be able to do that kind of physical type thing because that's not, that's not a typical part of my day or even my life with my boys. So to introduce that to them, I, I think was a, it was, it, was, it was a good thing. I was really happy to be able to do that because they see me doing a lot more talking and typing and on the computer and relating to people in meetings. It's very different than the physical stuff um, of maintaining a house and you know, uh, you know, using a hammer and, and a screwdriver and a drill and all these other things. So I really liked that. I really liked it. And, and it made me realize that there are things that I, these are things that I don't want them to graduate from my house to move from my house without having some experience of. Yeah, I'm so glad that you did that, that you took them under your wing and helped pull that whole bookshelf down. And also I needed them to paint those cathedral ceilings. It was, it was, that was really high. We sent all our guardian angels to them. We said, okay, guardian angels, we command you, we release you. We did pray. We, we definitely did. prayed for <laughs> Zone that, defense for protection. here. John yes. Mark's like, wait, what happens if... You know, he was holding the ladder. What happens if he drops the whatever on my head? I said, well, we'll just play zone defense. They, they got you, John Mark. It's okay. So <laughs> anyhow, it was, a, it was a big um, undertaking, and the kids did really well. And I think, you know, I, I'm not super cautious or worried about paint getting everywhere. It didn't. And I think sometimes when you undertake something like that and just let go of the perfection of it all, it's okay. I, we had a gal that was helping us and she was kind of laughing at me like, you're going to have your kids paint your house. I said, yeah, is that dumb? <laughs> I said, I don't know what I'm getting into. I just, I want it done and I need help. And I mean, great. They were great. It literally. Well, when you were done, you were saying, let's do some more now. Let's yeah. change the cabinets. I was let's change to, the, let's, 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 let's do the carpets. Bit. Let's go. Let's do some oh. more. And I, I'm up for it. I'm actually yeah. excited again, just because of the physicality of it all. And then just to make sure that when we get into things that are more complicated than we can handle, that we have the proper expertise to to be there as well. Yeah, so. it does, it's a weird how a paint color changes the whole feel of a space. I mean, it really felt like a new house in some regards. Yeah. Anyhow. You know, so uh, Thanksgiving, I want to come back to Thanksgiving because I, I was pleasantly surprised. We got up, we went to Mass at St. Mary's uh, with Father Lewis. I was really surprised at how full the church was. What a beautiful gift. You know, it's, uh, I think that two holidays tend to show the Catholic faith. If you want to know how Catholic a family is, there are two holidays that show forth how Catholic your family is. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes. 
Thanksgiving yep. and St. Patrick's Day. Of course, St. Patrick's Day. Mm, <laughs> you're so funny. Ha ha, dear. <laughs> I would say the 4th of July. 4th of July, yes. Oh, yes. Because right. they're holidays. So everyone has that off. And the question is, when you actually have them off, what do you do? What do you choose to do as a family? Because you have the space to do it. And, and it's not perfect. Not always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can make room to be able to do... Uh, you know, time, make time to go to Mass. And I was just really surprised, pleasantly surprised at how many families were there at Mass. So that was a real gift. Another one of the gifts that happened was you shared with me a quote from Interior Freedom by Father Jacques Philippe at Mass. And it was um, sort of a, it's not just a quote, it's actually a section out of his book, Interior Freedom. And I'd love for you to read that now, dear, because I think it's it's relevant. I think it'd be very meaningful for folks to listen to it today. Okay. This is on the chapter of freedom and acceptance. Our complicity increases the harm. When we concentrate too much on something that isn't right and make it our main topic of conversation, we end up giving evil more substance than it has. Deploring evil sometimes only strengthens it. I recently heard a priest say, quote, I'm not going to spend my life denouncing sin. That would be doing it too much honor. I would rather encourage good than condemn evil, quote. And I think he was right. This is not a head-in-the-sand attitude, but the optimism of charity. Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. As we ourselves advance more surely and effectively by giving ourselves totally to the good despite our deficits, our defects, so also we do more to help others experience conversion and make progress by encouraging them in the positive aspects of their lives than by condemning their errors. Good is more real than evil. And it can overcome evil. And I know there's another paragraph I want you to read after, but I just want to start with that because, uh, oh, by the way, why did you point that to me? Why did you share that with me? Well, I was thinking about um, just this focus I was having on not breaking a commandment and focusing on the sin and kind of losing my heart or my charity and sense of freedom, especially when I was doing the scrupulous um, confessions, and I didn't want to not do it fully, and, and I was feeling more focused on, um, I don't know, actions. And then I was also, Tom, it's thinking... It's kind of like gotcha preaching. Kind of. And I was also thinking about my son, who sometimes I will blame or I will point out his faults. And it's easy as a mom, I think, to sometimes we want to correct or fix our kids, especially if we're the corrector. And I give evil or I give um, the bad too much emphasis instead of ignoring it or, or covering it up. And also, um, it struck me when I listened to, <laughs> I know, a near-death experience, but <laughs> so much of what she said, I went and picked up Father Jacques Philippe's book, and it was just like mind-blowing how many parts of his books gave it such a faith-based explanation of what her experiences were when she um, talked to Christ. But this whole idea of how we see people and think about them and the negativity that that 
that has power. And I was just trying to break that. I was just trying to figure out, okay, Lord, how do I love my kids? How do I show them love? And yeah, I'm, I don't want to ramble, but there were so many parts of this that go deeper than what he said, but I just loved his way of saying, as I read it, I said, yes, this, this is what is harder to do. It's harder for me to focus on the good. It's harder for me to focus on seeing the gift. It's easier for me to say, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did this wrong. Why didn't you do, you know, and even, even for myself, Tom, it's easier for me to focus on my sin and my lack than to say, oh, let me feel God's love and charity and his goodness and celebrate who I am. Um, it's just a harder, it's a relational thing. It's a heart thing. And I, that's part of me that just hasn't been fully, like, I, I feel like it's a part of me that is um, wounded or just not fully developed. I don't know if that makes sense, but. I, I love what you shared, Carrie. It's, um, it's a very important point of reflection. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to pick up what you just shared, and I'm going to ask a question about conversion and where conversion comes from, because it prompted in me a couple of different thoughts, and, and I'll share them when we come back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnan with my lovely wife, Carrie. We're here on this Faith and Family Friday sharing with you about, well, about this quote from Interior Freedom by Father Jacques Philippe. Carrie, you were bringing out what uh, Father Philippe shared in relationship to your own life as a, as a person and as a parent, as a mom, that it is easy for us to focus on the negative where there's someone falling short and to call them out. So when I was a junior... When I was in my third year of theology in Rome, I wrote a thesis paper for one of my courses, and it was on evangelization. It was on the proclamation of the gospel, on good news. And the question, one of the, the themes that I, I had to explore was when people are responding to the good news, that the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, which is turn your life around, turn away from sin and turn towards God. What is it that is the most motivating for people to respond to the gospel? Is it the turning away from sin? In other words, the calling out of a life lived that is not worthy of God or worthy of oneself and is hurtful and dark and, and, and damnable? Or is it the revelation that you have a father who loves you and is drawing you out of the pigsty into an elevated life as his child? What is it that moves people to conversion? Is it the call from sin or is it the call to a transformative relationship with God as Father through Jesus the Savior and Lord? Um, I would say it's when I encounter His love and how He sees me. And it's a real concrete, um, it's not like a thought or an emotion, it's actually I experience the love of God in the tenderness of Jesus, and it transforms how I see myself and just the bigness of God, that He's just so big and His... His, he's the creator, his, his grandeur, just... His majesty. Ma yeah, and it just overwhelms me. Like, And I see my nothingness in a beautiful way because I see how I lack, and he's the only one that can fulfill. Um, without me, you can do nothing. And so in those 
in those moments, I just want to follow, I want to serve my King and my Lord. And so I think that's where I just fall on my face. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I, the word that you use for God often is good. He is so good. And you say good with that, like, passion. The goodness He is so good. Our God, our God, our Father is so good. And that's very compelling. And I think that as parents, it's so we, we reflect on this quite a bit because the idea of getting our kids to avoid evil and even to get them to conform behavior with what is good can happen through an emphasis on don't do that. That's bad, and you become bad by doing that. That's the emphasis on sin that Father Philippe is talking about in Interior Freedom. However, you can grow up in a home, and you can be parents that foster the strong, careful, vigorous call for kids to avoid evil behavior and to do godly things, but that doesn't equate to an intimate, personal, profound, life-giving relationship with the Father through the Son where you know his love, and it makes you want to honor him because of the inside-out transformation. And you and I were uh, talking about that in relationship to an Instagram post or two or three from this sweet young lady who graduated from a beautiful school, a Christian school, and has moved away from home and college and all of a sudden pops up on Instagram in ways that are like, oh, sweetie, what has happened? Well, I, you know, and I think that that just relates to the fact that all of us have to choose our own faith. It's our walk with Christ, and we all have fallen away, or we all choose to um, dishonor the Lord at some point, to different degrees, right? Um, so it's just more public. That's the unfortunate thing about social media is everyone sees it, and that's where it's just painful to watch. But it's, it's you know, hum- God uses the humility. He uses yeah, the situation. He but uses- my point on this, Carrie, is more about the fact that um, you and I took it as, like, look in the mirror, Tom, Carrie, look in the mirror as mom and dad, and say... Are we fostering in our kids simply conformity to the behaviors and attempting to push them into attitudes, uh, ways of relating to those behaviors that are positive, or are we continually inviting them into the transformative relationship, the encounter with Jesus, that will make them long for the right attitudes and behaviors? I think that was... Yeah, I Where think... Where we went with it. <laughs> if you read another part of his book, <laughs> he just says, don't worry about trying to convert everyone around you. Just live a good, holy life. Seek after the Lord. Be that witness. I mean, that's what he says here. He says, uh, good is more real than evil, and it can overcome evil. The goodness of our relationship, of our married life, of our faith walk, that... Witness. Yeah, read that last paragraph, the one that uh, the one that you stopped just before, because he gets oh, okay. into it. It's, I'm just saying, Tom. I, I look at a lot of um, where salvation lies. How does the child come to know Christ, and how, are, as parents, are we called to help them and stumble forward? And we just see God's mercy and grace, and then we don't. And it's like it's a some sometimes it's a real mystery, yeah. and it's not something we should be afraid of or fear or or parent out of fear, which I think is a tendency for us to do. Um, The last paragraph says, We sometimes experience a savage satisfaction 
and detecting and showing up something wrong. The resentment and bitterness we feel arise from a spiritual void within us and the sense of dissatisfaction it produces. Often the most critical people are those with the greatest spiritual emptiness. One wonders whether they must create enemies for themselves in order to exist. So there is, I think he actually is, was making your point that it's out of the abundance of our own relationship with the Lord that will get us to properly introduce a call out of sin. It's a call out of love to draw them out of sin and not a condemnatory, I find a savage satisfaction in pointing out and saying, gotcha, this is sin, this is evil, you are going to head towards hell. No, no, no. It's a loving address that says, you have a father. Why are you staying in the pigsty? The well, Lord has so much more for you. I think, Tom, a lot of Christians get a bad name because there is this savagery of calling out darkness and evil, because it is evil, but Christ is like, truth without love is a noisy gong. You, it has to be delivered with good Well, John Paul II, kind. truth without love is a destructive lie. And I got to tell you, it's, it's something that I've been wrestling with. When I read that, when you shared that with me, I, I was left saying, I know in my last four years, I have had a number of painful frustrations with the institutional church, with the actions of the Pope and bishops and priests around providing holy spiritual leadership when it came to dealing with the abuse crisis, and then when it came to dealing with so many other crises of faith as it was lived out today. And I was striving to be prophetic, but in a reverent way, and not, but it was easy to get frustrated and angry in a way that maybe wasn't godly when I didn't see them acting in a way that I believed was appropriate. So it was, a, it was a challenging quote for me to read that I, I don't think I'm supposed to not fulfill a call that involves prophetic um, words, but to do so in love is, I think, the key, that, that how do I stay in that loving place? So that, that's kind of what, I, what I, mean, I came away with. And then just for him to say, we do more to help others experience conversion and make progress by encouraging them in the positive aspects of their lives than by condemning their errors. I, I, it's just something to meditate. Like, how do I encourage my spouse? How is, how is hold it? Hold on, hold on. Do you want to say, do we give do a list? Do that again, do that again. <laughs> no, but really, how do we help each other make progress? How do we encourage them and, and not see, like, the, the limits? Or And it's not condemning. I mean, that's a strong language yeah. to condemn somebody, but just to point out faults or limits. Right. It's How a constant you, challenge. It is a challenge. Me. It's a challenge for you and for me to love each other well and calling ourselves forward. Well, Carrie, I need to let you know we're at the end of our program. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, it's uh, great to be with you all. God bless you today. Join me on Monday for a new liturgical year as we enter the season of Advent. God bless you. <laughs>